grateful that we are able to come together and to celebrate your birth. I pray that there would be greater hope than we've ever had before as we focus upon your pursuit of us and how much you love us and care for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Merry Christmas. It is so good to see you. Uh, welcome. Uh, Brett's already welcomed you to our, our services, uh, whether online or uh, here at New Cub. My favorite time of the year. It actually is one of the best times. It's just able to touch base with people that I haven't seen in a while and perfect environment for us to come together. Uh, the goal for today is to bring clarity, more than anything else, to bring clarity upon why the birth of Jesus Christ is important for us. Sometimes familiarity with the story uh, creates an opportunity uh, for us to kind of lose clarity, and I don't want to do that at all. It's easy for us to uh, say things and realize that wasn't very clear, like these are some confusing headlines that I came across just over this last month, and so these are some of my favorite ones. How about this? Kids make nutritious snacks. Thank you for getting it. I appreciate that. How about this one? Juvenile court to try shooting defendant. Or how about this? Complaints about NBA referees growing ugly. Another one. Two sisters reunited after 18 years at checkout counter. I love this one. Hospitals are sued by seven-foot doctors. And I've saved the best for last. My favorite of all, lack of brains hinders research. And it always does. Well, all month long, we've been talking about bringing clarity. And uh, we've been talking about holy uncertainty. You see, life is full of uncertainty. All of us in this room and online uh, we don't have control over things, and so times are uncertain, but you do have a choice in living in holy uncertainty. Let me define holy uncertainty. Holy uncertainty is the capacity to live with a very loose grip or no grip at all here on our plans, and more important, a loose grip or no grip at all on the outcome of our plans. Wow, who doesn't want to live, live that way? living with a loose grip or no grip at all on the uncertainty of life. And here's why. Because our security is related in, in relational terms. It's connection to God. What I hope above all things today is that you will put your hope and trust in that which can only be found vertically. Our tendency is to look horizontally to find uh, hope in life and just hope that someone will change or situations will change. And that's all horizontal living and those things, those horizontal things, as good as they are, were never designed uh, to provide the stability that that which only God, the creator of the universe, and this is why Jesus has come, to bring holy uncertainty to us. P Pastor Pete Scazzaro calls holy uncertainty, he calls it the confusing in-between. Another person, Bethany Allen, calls it the neutral zone. So whether it's the confusing in-between uh, the holy uncertainty, or just the neutral zone, I have some news for you. It typically takes longer to get through. Yeah, Merry Christmas on that. And it also is harder. But the beauty of this is when it is holy, you have the access to the creator of the universe to go with you whatever uncertain 
life you may have it have be, be dropped into because the main, main message about Christmas is God is with us. Sometimes you can be living in the midst of a miracle and not even realize it. And I have a feeling there are some today that I want you to realize you're living in the middle of a miracle and I hope by the time I finish three hours from now that you will understand what a miracle it is that what God has provided for you. I've heard it put this way, standing knee deep in the river and dying of thirst. And this is what the birth of Jesus is all about is people dying of thirst and here he's providing this flood flood of grace for us. So our passage that we're going to look at is in Luke chapter 2 verses 8 to 14, 8 through 14. Let me read it to you. Don't let the familiarity of it cause you to hide your plane over past it. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, for I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. There are several things that that jump out at me. First of all, it says, There is good news. In uncertain times, there is good news. And that word means I evangelize you or I give you the gospel. I give you amazing news and it's going to be about Christ, obviously. But he says... In this uncertainty, there can be a holiness because there's good news. And he says, I bring you great joy, great joy that transcends uncertainty. Who doesn't want that? Sign me up for that. That there can be joy in spite of the uncertainty that comes our way. And then notice he says it's to all people. In other words, there are no exceptions to the rule. And so that means there's no one who is online or in this room who is the exception to the rule that God loves you, he's pursuing you, and he has great joy to offer you, and you are not an exception to the rule, no matter how far away you've been from God, or if you've never even given your life to Jesus Christ, today is a perfect opportunity. It is never too late to involve the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. This is why it's amazing news, because he says, I offer you a Savior, the Savior means to rescue his people. You see, the biggest and most dangerous lie of all is that life can be found apart from Christ. And that's my biggest fear, and that of what I've been praying against today, is that there would be no one who would leave this service and decide, you know what, I don't need Jesus. I can do it well enough on my own. And that all started with Adam and Eve. You can thank them, but we continue to do it. Adam and Eve tried to make life work apart from God. They tried to do what that said God told them different, and they said, you know what, no thank you, we'll try it on on our own. And so they decided to live a separate life apart from God, and the the Bible calls that sin. When we do things that are displeasing to God, when we try to look horizontally for things that can only be found vertically, when we look to things instead of God. 
So all through the Old Testament, you have uh, the people pursuing God and the way they would get forgiven of their sin. They would find a, a lamb that was blemish-free, that had, was perfect in its, in its look, and they would periodically come to a service, and the priest would have them confess their sins. They'd confess their sins, and symbolically, the priest would lay his hands on the sheep, on the head of the sheep, and then they would take the sheep and offer it for sacrifice. An innocent lamb offered atonement for their sins. Again, it was all prophetic of what Jesus would do. It was all prophetic that the Savior would come and he would be called the Lamb of God, one who is tempted like we are, but was without sin. Now let me take you back to verse 12. And it's interesting to me, and I want to spend a little time on this. It says, And you will recognize him by, his, by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Interesting that the angel says, This will be the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. That is the sign. Interesting. Now, if you have been uh, involved with New Cove over the last uh, couple of weeks, you know we've referred to Micah 5, 8. Micah 5, 8, 800 years before the birth of Jesus. Uh, Micah prophesied that where Jesus would be born, and he would be born right in Bethlehem, Ephrathah. And so out of three continents, he nails it, and it's one in 100 quadrillionth chance that that would happen. And yet here the, the prophecy comes true. There's another verse that we rarely look at. It's Micah 4, 8, and it says this, 800 years before the birth of Jesus. Remember, 800 years before the birth of Jesus. Micah 4, 8 prophesies, And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come, the former dominion shall come, kingship for the daughter of, of Jerusalem. He's prophesying that at the tower of the flock, which is called Migdal Eder in Hebrew, if you care about that, but he's saying, he's prophesying that, this, that, that, that Jesus would show up at the tower of the flock. Now, Migdal Eder is a two-story tower that's been built, here it is, in the pasture outside of Bethlehem. You'll see a couple of pictures. They've just, the remains of this tower has recently been discovered. And the, according to the Mishnah, which is the Jewish, uh, rabbinic Jewish legal historical document that comes from the second century A.D., they talk about shepherds who looked over sheep from from. The, uh, the tower of the flock. So they, these special shepherds will look out over their sheep from the second story of the tower of the flock. And when one was about to give birth, they would bring this sheep in. And these were special sheep that they had set aside. They would watch over because they were destined to become sacrifices at confession time. These priestly shepherds kept watch over the flock. When one was ready to give birth, they would bring it into that lower part of the tower. And then when they give, uh, brought it to the tower of the flock, they would give birth. And the priestly shepherds there, the shepherds would inspect the newborn to make sure that it was defect-free. To make sure that it was pure and unblemished so that it would be worthy to be used for sacrifices a year later. Guess what they wrapped the sheep in? Swaddling clothes. 
guess where they laid the, the sheep? In a manger. Protecting it from freezing to death and thrashing around to keep it blemish-free and injury-free. And they would lay these, uh, they would take these garments and swaddle these sheep who were going to be giving their lives for the innocent, for their innocent lives for those of us who had sinned. So no wonder, he says, this will be a sign. And these shepherds, they get to connect the dots. And no wonder they're excited about this because they're realizing, oh my word, all these years of prophecy about a new Messiah, the Messiah who would come and be the Lamb of God and would take the place of us, and he would pay for our sins. Thirty years later, John, he's, he sees Jesus coming toward him. John one twenty nine. he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Wow. This is why you could have holy uncertainty that in the midst of uncertain times, you have the presence of Jesus Christ who loves you, who's the Lamb of God, who is tempted like we are, and yet he, he, he lives a perfect life. And he says, I am willing to take your place. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, for God so loved you. There are no exceptions to the rule, for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten Lamb of God that if you would believe in him, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. It's never too late to turn to Jesus. It's never too late. You can experience holy uncertainty. The presence of Jesus Christ with you. John 1, 14. The Word, speaking of Jesus, became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. I heard it put this way from Max Cato. He could have lived over us, but he didn't. He could have lived away from us, but he didn't. He chose to become one of us. It's never too late to give your life to Jesus. He wants to take your place. Let me close with a story. I want to introduce you to Dr. Maxwell Maltz. Some of you, if you're old like me, you may remember the name. But Dr. Maltz died actually in 1975. He was a, a, a very well-known and well-thought-of plastic surgeon. He was a cosmetic surgeon. He tells the true story about a, a man who was burned and deformed because of the, being burned in a fire who was trying to save his parents from a house fire. He was unable to save his parents, but he was pulled out again, badly burned and disfigured in this fire. In fact, he was so disfigured, this man wouldn't even let his wife see him anymore. He refused to come out. This wife uh, decided she would go see Dr. Maltz. She told Dr. Maltz about the story. He said, I can reconfigure his face. I can bring help to him. I can, I, I can help him. And she said, she was unenthused, and she said, he won't do it. He won't do it. He said, I can reconfigure his face. I can do it. And she said, he won't do it. He said, then why are you bothering me, and why are you coming to me? And she said, and I quote, I want you to disfigure my face so I can be like him. If I can share his pain, maybe he'll let me back into his life. Well, Dr. Maltz was shocked. He denied her request. He said, I won't do it, but I would like to talk to your husband. He goes to her house, knocks at the bedroom door, and says, 
I'm a plastic surgeon. I can restore your face. No response. He knocked louder and said, I know what I'm doing. I can restore your face. And still no response. He knocked one more time and he said, I want you to know this. Your wife wants me to disfigure her face to make her face like yours in hope that you will let her back into your life. That's how much she loves you. There's a brief moment of silence and then ever so slowly the doorknob began to turn. You see, the way the woman felt for her husband is the way that God feels about you. And he was willing to give his life. Isaiah 53 says he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We've followed uh, our own paths, yet the Lord has laid on him the sins of us all. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that if you will trust in him, you will have eternal life. It's never too late for you to receive the amazing Christmas gift of Jesus saying, I'm with you and will be with you. Everybody online and everybody in this room, you fall into one of four categories. If you are here in person, would you take the card that uh, was laying on your seat? On our platform at newcovchurch.org, uh, you will see a place to scroll to read a prayer to you. Dear Lord, as amazing as it is that you would be born to Mary and be worshipped by shepherds, I'm even more amazed that you would invite me to receive you into my life. I'm overwhelmed by your grace. I'm humbled by your humility. Gladly, I offer my worship in Jesus' name. Amen. I want all of us to pray this prayer. Even if you've become a follower of Jesus years ago, what an amazing prayer to pray this. Say, dear Lord, as amazing as it is that you would be born to Mary and be worshipped by shepherds, I'm even more amazed that you would to receive you into my life. I'm overwhelmed by your grace. I'm humbled by your humility. Gladly I offer my worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody in this room and online, you fall into one of four categories, and those four categories in front of you. Following Jesus is something I'm deciding to do today. Maybe you just prayed that prayer. Or following Jesus is something I am already doing. Then circle that. Following Jesus is, third, something that I'm considering. Or following Jesus is something that I'm not ready to do. I would so challenge you to fill out that information and let us know where you stand. Our desire is to bring clarity of why you matter, that Jesus Christ loves you and cares about you. He's the light of the world, and he wants to come in and provide holiness, his presence in the midst of uncertainty.
You pray and respond as God leads you, and then uh, we'll uh, have you drop those, uh, those of you that are uh, in-house. Uh, you can leave those on the way out in just a moment. Let's pray together. For Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you that you love us and care for us. Thank you that you pursued us. Thank you that you were willing to be disfigured, to, to, be, to take our place so that we could have relationship with you. Father, may we respond by saying, yes, yes, yes. I worship you and offer you my life. And I pray this in Jesus.